Good morning. Merry Christmas. Hey, join me in a word of prayer, won't you? Heavenly Father, thank you for this month. A month where whether people recognize it or not, the season includes the name of your son, the Christ, Jesus, the Christ of Christmas. We thank you that there's a month like this month where folks know that peace and joy are available. And we just ask that today your spirit would speak to us and that we would leave this place different because of your son Jesus and the Holy Spirit whom he left with us that lives in us, that gives us power, discipline, love, and courage. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. We continue today our readiness for the Christmas season. I want to give you a heads up. Next weekend, services will, on Christmas Eve, will be at the same time. So the service times don't change next weekend. 9 and 10.30 a.m. for our Christmas Eve service. But the service will not be normal. Uh, Already have had... Um, opportunity to look at what we're doing. It's very, very exciting. Hope you get to be here. And if possible, would you consider coming to the nine o'clock service? How many of you next weekend, how many of you were in the 1030 service last weekend? Anybody? Did it feel a little claustrophobic in here? So if you get a chance, come to the nine, you'll be able to breathe a little bit better and uh, get home to do what you need to do for the rest of the day. We are in 1 Thessalonians, and we're talking about how Christians got it right, how Christians got it right. This early church was a model church, and one thing that's come to mind about this church is that they had a lot of fortitude, a lot of metal, a lot of ability to endure. They were tough. They had grit. Now, I want to speak to a, something that I see happening in our homes and in our country these days. We've got to take a stand on this issue. You know, in your home, when a child gets sick, wow, it's all hands on deck. How can we help that kid? When my sons get weak or sick, oh, are you okay? Are you okay? Yeah, we jump on in to help big time, right? And when mom gets sick, you know, she, she's pretty tough about it. Normally, you don't hear anything. It's like, you okay? I'm fine. I'm fine. But I think, honestly, nationwide, we're being too hard on dads. We get sick, and there's no compassion. Seriously, seriously, we get sick and like, you're like, <coughs> and you're like, oh gosh, I don't feel well. And you get a look like, you get a look across the kitchen island. You're like, oh, you're not going to go there, are you? You're not, you're not going to say you're sick, are you? Or if you say, hey, you know, I'm not feeling well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to bed early. You get the look like, oh, oh, you, you need a little tender love and care. You need, yeah, it's like, you, it's not okay for a dad for a father, for the, the, the man of the house, to be... And uh, you're, you're going to have a chance today to... Man, this is for you. We kind of stand. Check, we gotta ch- check this out. Here we are. It's not just a cold. If not treated, it could wipe out many. Let's bring an end to man flu. 
Two out of five men are diagnosed every year. Five out of five women don't care. Clinically proven to be more painful than childbirth. Can I have an amen, fellas? <laughs> Together we can find a cure. Together. If you find it in your hearts today, we can beat this. I just want to encourage you to give to manflu.com. Just kidding. <laughs> All right. You know, though, as it relates to sickness, as it relates to seasons of flu or cold, the truth is we all have a requirement in our lives, and that is to be tough. Toughness, fortitude, endurance, perseverance is a requirement for every person to survive sometimes. And the question I want to ask this morning is, hey, how do we develop the metal, the, the endurance, and the fortitude to stand when it's tough to stand? If you're a mother and you have two kids under the age of five, you need to be tough. If you're an employee and you're, you know your boss doesn't like you, <laughs> you need to be tough. If you're single and every other single person you meet is not the one meant for you, you got to be tough, especially when you go to a Christmas dinner and you know that Aunt Mildred is going to say, when are you getting married? you got to be tough. When you don't get the classes you want next semester, you got to be tough. And on a more serious note, when you get a, a health diagnosis that's a little frightening, you got to be tough. you got to be especially tough when one of the people in your life whom you love dearly gets a diagnosis. you got to be real tough. We hear about these constantly, constantly. you got to be tough. Life requires that we develop toughness. In fact, let me tell you this. Angela Duckworth wrote a book a couple years ago called Grit. And what she determined is that the greatest measure to persevere of someone's success in the future isn't their talent. It's their ability to persevere, to endure, to stay focused, to keep on keeping on. In fact, I'll tell you, for those of you who have students, young people, they say that most grit, is actually developed when you're in high school, junior high. Young kids develop it. And it's this ability to keep going and not quit. You just keep going. Do we have any 49er fans in here? One, one, of, my cla- one of the classic stories, true, in her book was when uh, Steve Young was playing for Brigham Young. He was six-string quarterback. And he called home and told his dad, hey, dad, they don't even know my name. I'm ready to come home. And his dad said, son, you're welcome to come home. No big deal. But you'll need to find a place to live in. He's like, what do you mean? He said, we worked hard to get you there. If you're going to quit, that's not, youngs don't quit. So if you want to quit, you're welcome to come home. I'm sure you can find a local job and, you know, finance your apartment. But, but no, we don't do that. And so Young hung in there and you know the rest of the story. He didn't quit and became an incredible Quarterback, he had great grit. In fact, there's another story of him being told by the coach, you need to throw the ball. And he said, I can't see Jerry. I can't see him. And they told him, we don't care if you can see him. He's there. 
throw the ball. Steve was shorter. Throw the ball, or we're going to find someone who's willing to. Steve had the ability to continue to fight through it. This is grit. This is fortitude. This is the ability. Check this out. This is the ability to not allow your circumstances to control your head or your heart. Because you're so grounded in the presence of God that you're not going to be moved or shakable by what's happening around you. And this doesn't mean that it's going to be easy. But you develop an inner metal, an inner endurance, and an inner fortitude that can handle tough situations. And having been serving churches for 25 years, I can tell you families go through very tough situations. <laughs> very tough. We've seen them in our own church. We've seen them over the years. And you've got to develop this metal to keep it all together. What if I told you there are some very simple steps to developing metal, to developing fortitude? Would you want to know what they are? I mean simple. They're not that they're not highly you know tough to get off the shelf. They're easy. If you could develop it, would you? Okay, let's do it. Here we go. So the first, this is where we've been. A little context in 1st Thessalonians. Thessalonica is still an extant city on the Aegean Sea. It's a harbor town that Paul started a church in. He started the church in chapter 1 with the right motive. He had Christ's heart. Remember how he he, uh, he loved the church. He prayed for them. He used Christ's strategy. And finally, what we're going to see is he developed the right metal in this church. He, Paul firstly had the right motive, then he had the right method, and then what we're going to see is the right metal in this church. And here's the context. The church had a rough start, a rough start, because the church started in 49 AD, and within weeks, Paul was kicked out. He was actually only able to be there for three months because the Apostle Paul, this young, strong, educated, passionate Christian evangelist, uh, was creating a lot of tension, and they, they tried to, a mob tried, kicked him out of town. A replacement pastor was sent. Paul sent young Timothy to lead the church, and a report was that Paul sees that the metal of the church of, of Thessalonica was stronger than their circumstances. I mean, straight up. Wouldn't you this Christmas like to experience peace and joy and hope? Like real, palpable peace and joy and hope. Even when there's, there's some, some conflict, or even when maybe you're opposed or treated disrespectfully sometime this month, or maybe one of your relationships is out of kink, wouldn't you like to be able to like, hey, you know what? I'm praying for him, but everything's chill as far as me. I'm going to show you how to do it. So here's the scripture. When I get to the red, you, you read with me, okay? Here it is. Paul, the apostle, writing to the church at Thessalonica. So when we could stand it no longer, we thought it best to be left by ourselves in Athens. We sent Timothy, who is our brother and co-worker. In... That was good, yeah. In God's service, in spreading the gospel of Christ to... And encourage you in our faith so that no one would be unsettled by these trials. Let me just pause here. Co-worker? As far as the New Testament description, is a table waiter. To be a worker for Jesus is to be a table waiter. Be nice to your table waiters this afternoon. They were sent to, and the word strengthen here is more than just like build up. It's to actually establish the church in the basic doctrines of the church. You know, there are some basic doctrines of Christianity that are super important. Like, 
that Jesus died for our sins. All of our sins. Even this morning's sins. That he was buried and resurrected from the dead. That he appeared to over 500 for 40 days after his resurrection. That's a basic doctrine. Very important. As it relates to marriage and family life. It's important, the basic doctrine, that God created man and woman in his own image. And that a man would leave his mother and father and cleave to his wife. Basic doctrine. That Jesus was born of a virgin as a man. That he was the fullness. He, he was fully human, but also fully God. The fullness of God lived in him. Basic doctrine. That Jesus performed incredible miracles. That thousands and sometimes up to 200,000 people followed him just to touch him. Basic teaching about his identity, that he's coming back again someday, maybe this afternoon. Not to judge, but to receive those who are longing for his appearing. Basic teaching for those who do not long for his appearing and who have rejected him, there will be judgment. Basic doctrine. Those basic doctrines strengthen us. That's why Timothy was sent as a steward of those teachings. For you know quite well that we were destined for them, that is trials, difficulty. In fact, when, you, when we were with you, we kept telling you that we would be persecuted, and it turned out that way, as you well know. For this reason, when I could stand it no longer, he's having a Popeye moment, I can't stand it no more, I sent to find out about your faith. I was afraid that in some way the tempter had tempted you. By the way, there's a tempter that will try to tempt us. He'll try to lure us away by the lust of our eyes, the lust of our flesh, and the pride of life. And that our labors might have been in vain. Paul was very concerned about that. But Timothy has just now come to us from you and has brought good news about your faith and love. He has told us that you always have pleasant memories of us and that you long to see us just as we long to see you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, in all our distress and persecution, we were encouraged about you because of your faith. Faith, let me just ask, if you left today's services knowing that you would be arrested, fired from your jobs, or beat up, would you be back in services next weekend? What if we had donuts? <laughs> this church has faced incredible persecution. And there's, they got the metal, the fortitude, the endurance, the grit to handle. Just like the church, the Coptic church does in Cairo, Egypt today. Or the Christian churches in Iraq do today. It's tough. Or our own Christian brothers and sisters that we support in Bihar, India. It's tough being a Christian. Why do they get beat up? Because they're a Christian. That's it. Okay. Paul says, let's do that one again. Together, two, three. For now we really live since you are standing firm in the Lord. How can we thank God enough for you in return for all the joy we have in the presence of God because of you? Night and day we pray most earnestly that we may see you again and supply what is lacking in your faith. How about this? Okay. How about this? All the closets clean. Perfect. I mean perfect clean. How about for the men? Cabinets in the garage. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, and let's stain the concrete in the garage, right? Perfect, perfect. How many of you are like, I'm in. Can you make that happen right now? <laughs> okay, yeah, 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 that it's perfect. 
Okay, how about this? How about this? Perfect family portrait. Everyone's hair is perfect. Body weight is minimized in the photo. <laughs> denim shirts. Everyone's got the denim. And you don't have a family member that gives that eh look, right? Right? Perfect. Everyone gets exactly what they want. The, the meat is perfectly medium rare with well done on the end. It's perfect. Sometimes are we waiting for our circumstances to be perfect before we can really find strength personally? That's what we're going to talk about today. And look at the Apostle Paul. Look what he celebrates. He's not celebrating the fact that, hey, I had a, my numbers were great this year, up and to the right. That's not his, the focus of his celebration. He's not celebrating here that uh, my, um, my financials this year, wow, the Dow has, has really been helpful this year. That's not what he's celebrating. He's celebrating spiritual growth of his friends. What kind of metric would that look like in our personal, professional lives, in our familial lives, if as we grow, what we're celebrating is that some of our dearest friends and family members are growing in the Lord Jesus Christ? That's a metric. That's a mature metric. And by the way, Paul's no, this guy's a sharp guy. He's probably in his mid-40s at this time. He's celebrating Christ in somebody else. That's what he's like, hey, how was your year? Oh, those Christians in Thessalonica, they are really growing in Jesus. Do you have someone in your life whom you're celebrating because they're really growing in their faith? Maybe you're going to be with them at Christmas. Maybe there's someone in your life that you're going to be with that's going to open their heart to Jesus for the first time. You're going to be right with them, and they're just going to come up to you and start talking to you. And you're going to have an opportunity opportunity to say, you know what, I think Jesus is really reaching out to you. It's an incredible experience. I had one last night at a party. Here we go. May he, here's his prayer. May he strengthen your hearts so that you will be blameless and holy in the presence of God and the Father and Father when our Lord Jesus comes with all his holy ones. So Paul is making it very clear Jesus is coming back again. And may he make you blameless and holy in the presence of our God. And I said a couple weeks ago, we have a no perfect people allowed policy here at church. That means anyone is welcome to come to adventure. And uh, except if you think you're perfect, because if you think you're perfect, you're not going to like us, and you're going to make us work overtime to really love you. So we, so we, but that being said, that being said, the goal, God's goal in my life is blamelessness, blamelessness, and your life is blamelessness. And do we not live in a litigious culture that would love to sue you for money? For anything you might have looked like you did, you got to be careful. Being blameless is not such a bad thing. (laughs) And holy. In the presence of our Lord and Father, when the Lord Jesus comes with his holy ones. In other words, when Jesus gets back, the goal is that you've gotten better. Okay? That you've gotten better. That you're growing in Christ. Because he's coming to reward you. He's not coming to judge you. All right. How do we develop the metal? How do we develop the metal? The endurance, the fortitude. Here it is. Number one, they pursued biblical teaching. We sent Timothy to strengthen and encourage you in your faith. Really understanding this point, 
kind of comes down to where you sit in a college or high school or graduate classroom. How many of you are front row? Front row. You want to sit in the front row in a class. You're a front row person. Okay. Raise your hand high. Front row. Okay. How many of you are? No, we're back row. I'm just, uh, yeah, back row. Proud of it. Proud of it. How many of you are like anonymous? I don't even want anyone to see me. Totally anonymous. Okay. This is, okay, you have to watch this. This is what we believe here at Adventure is true. If you want to be totally anonymous, okay, right? This is where you sit. Anonymous people, put your hands together. Okay, anonymous people, okay? Okay. Ooh, not a lot of enthusiasm. Okay. If you want to be, if you want to grow and learn the Bible, grow in, in God's word, you're going to sit in this section. And interestingly, the number one row for learning is this row. And it's actually this seat. Chuck Howe, how ironic that you're here. What a pleasure to have you, okay? If you're a sleeper, that means like you kind of like use Sunday services as a chance to catch up on your REM, then you sleep, you sit over here, but if you're sleeping, you're especially back here somewhere. <laughs> Surely there... Hey, sir. Hey, it's the rapture, dude. Wake up. (laughs) Some of you are thinking we just really hurt someone's feelings. That was all staged. Okay, but here's the deal. Your ability to pursue biblical teaching greatly to learn. How eager are you? So Paul says we sent Timothy to strengthen and encourage you in your faith. Here's the question. If you're a Thessalonian and you receive Timothy, you might be kind of disappointed because you wanted Paul. You don't want Timothy. He doesn't iron his shirts. He's in his early 20s. You're disappointed. You don't like whom God sent you, right? Here's the caution. Sometimes the person whom the Holy Spirit is sending you or what the Holy Spirit is sending you to help you grow in your faith is not your first choice. It's God's choice. That's why we encourage you to receive your spouse as God's gift to you. That's what the scriptures teach. That you receive your teachers and leaders as God's gift. They're highly accountable, but you receive them. You receive your friends and family as God's gift. That one person that you don't think is a gift, you're like, "Uh, not a gift. They might be, in particularly sent for you. (laughs) Because there's something they got that you need, right? You haven't figured it out yet, but maybe you will Christmas Eve. Biblical, the other thing, key idea, is not only has God sent someone to you, but biblical teaching is God's strategy to build strength and encouragement. When you're down, what you need the most is not another episode of whatever. It's God's word. Honestly, what is going to strengthen you the most is not watching Star Wars It was good. I saw it last night. (laughs) But it's being in the Word. What you need the most is not necessarily to keep your fitness plan, although it's important. What you need is to be strengthened by the truths of God's Word. That'll strengthen you because God's Word doesn't change. It's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Our circumstances will change all the time. And when you find that your circumstances are bigger than you, you you need to allow your God to fill you with his presence through his teaching 
to help you stay unshakable in the midst of all your circumstances. So your circumstances aren't moving you all the time. Okay? Here's the outcome. Their faith was unshakable during persecution. How do you do this? How do you really receive the biblical teaching that will give you a fortified metal grit? Here's how you do it. Receive who or what the Holy Spirit is sending to strengthen and encourage you in your faith. And you never know what he's going to do. When I started the church, a guy named Dan Huggins was a gift to me for years. And then a guy named Adam Castorino was a gift to me for years. And now a guy named Chuck Howells, a gift to me, helping me administratively. God sent someone, is sending someone to you to be a gift to you. Receive them. Receive them. Let them know, hey, God really speaks to me through you. And it, this happens informally in groups, doing life together in your neighborhood. Receive them. Let them encourage your faith. And caution, they may not be your number one choice. Okay? Number, number two has more to do with how you like to take tests. How many of you are multiple choice test takers? Multiple choice. Okay. How many of you are essay? Give me an essay and I will convince that professor I know what I'm talking about. Okay. So here's the deal. They were prepared. You know when you're prepared for a test and you walk in and you're like, oh, I got this. No problem. I'm totally prepared for this. In the same way, if you're prepared for opposition, difficulty, you're going to be so much more at ease in your life because you know hard days are coming. That, that fight that we had last year at Christmas, it's coming. Someone's going to reference it this year. That bill that you thought the, the, the vendor forgot about, it's going to probably come the 22nd of this month. Hardship's coming. That car problem that, they th- that you think you might have is probably twice as bad as you think it is. It's coming. How many of us... How many of us run out of, out of money before we run out of month? Hardship comes. It's, you just have to expect it. Difficulty comes. Surprises come. That's what Paul says. He says, when we were with you, we kept telling you that we would be persecuted, and it turned out that way, as you well know. Proverbs says, the prudent see danger, and they take refuge, but the simple keep going and suffer for it. Prepare for opposition. Here's the idea. Wise people know that trials aren't accidents, they're appointments. You want to get better? You want to grow? It takes trials. That's how you get better. My father came home. She said, Slick, which was my daddy's nickname, your boy been up at the school being a smart aleck. Now, I already know I'm going to get a whipping for this. She said, "Uh, tell him what you wrote on your paper. And I said, I want to be on TV. And my father said, well, what's wrong with that? And she said, well, he being a smart actor, putting something like that that's unbelievable on the paper. So my father said, Bill, how come the boy can't put on the paper he want to be on TV? So they were starting to get into an argument, so I got sent to my room, which I knew what that meant. That means go in your room, get ready. We're going to get this whooping, right? So I go in my room, and after having a discussion, my father came in the room. He said, all right, this is what I want you to do. What does she want you to put on your paper? I said, I don't know, Daddy, like a basketball player, what all the rest of the kids wrote. He said, well, put that on the paper. Take that to school tomorrow and give it to her. Take your paper and put it in your drawer. Every morning when you get up, read your paper. And every night before you go to bed, read your paper. That's your paper. What he told me 
was a principle of success that if you write it down and envision it, anything you see in your mind, you can hold in your hand. He knew that. And so he gave that to me. After that, every year when the teacher was living, I used to send her a TV for Christmas because I wanted her to see me. She saw me one year, and she said, boy, you send me all these TV from wherever you are, and you don't understand. I got too many TV. I have to get these TVs away sometime. I know. It's all right, though. And I kept that paper. And that little boy with the stuttering problem is on TV seven days a week. Yeah. I'm on TV. All the time. You did. Hi, YouTubers. I wonder, just as I said that just now, or as you listen to that Steve Harvey quote, when God gives you a vision, write it down. Did, do you have any, did the Holy Spirit give you some prompting just now? Yeah, that's why I was born. That's, that's what I'm supposed to do. If so, I encourage you to write it down right now. Don't lose the moment. Write it down right now. Borrow someone's pen. Write it on your arm. I'm not kidding. Good. It's, it's, it's important. It really is. Because opposition's coming. People are going to tell you you're not worth it. You don't have what it takes. You're not talented enough. You're not smart enough. Whatever. It's coming. It's just the world we live in. You've got to be ready for the opposition. And when you're ready for it, you expect it. It's liberating. I like what Kurt Harlow said about how we prepare for opposition. Here it is. You're only as strong as the family around you. There are those in the midst of a trial who look for friends to help them. Nothing wrong with that, but it's late. And there are those that build the family. Did you guys know that when the storm hits, people are already ready to show up and hold them up? Did you guys see what happened on Facebook this weekend? Did you guys see that over 100 folks showed at Lisa Smiley's house this week? And they, um, the fire department showed, the police department showed, several churches came together, youth groups and churches. They decorated her house with decorations. They... Um, they put snow on her front yard, brought her food and gifts. Why does that happen to some people? I'll tell you why. Because they've built a family into their life so that when the storm hits people, they're already ready to show up and hold them up. That's why. What kind of family are you building around you? The standard of the Bible is not friendship, it's family. It's intimacy. Biblical conviction produces transforming love and lasting loyalty. How do we do this? Build the family into your life so that when the storm hits, people are already there to show up and hold you up. And honestly, this means you make yourself family to others. When you hear about someone being in the hospital, you don't just say prayers. <laughs> you show up. When you hear someone is going through a marital conflict, you don't just say, I, I can't stand it. Prayers, it's like, what does that mean? Are you praying? Who are you praying to? Prayers, no, you, you reach out. We're always afraid to reach out. We're afraid we might say something wrong. Here's a trick. Don't say anything. <laughs> Just show up. And you're going to be family to others. And when a storm comes your direction, you'll have folks show. It's awesome. 
there's two ways we think we develop family here at Adventure. We think one of them, it's our strategy of groups, small groups. We think that actually Christians don't grow alone. Here's why. Jesus said, when two or more are gathered, I'm there in the presence of them. And so if you're always by yourself, you're going to miss out on the voice of Jesus speaking to your life personally. And so groups are critical for that to happen. You've got to get into a group. The other area that will help you connect, develop friendships, and grow is service, service. And we call this going. Like Jesus told his disciples to go and tell the world, go and preach the good news, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I commanded you. It's service. It's going and taking something with you. You don't go alone. And the reason I'm wearing this shirt is to celebrate a team that's been going in our church. Do you see this logo? This shirt is... Uh, is the shirt that is worn by our shepherd's ministers. And you know the difference between a shepherd and a hireling? A hireling flees when a wolf comes, comes to, uh, to steal a lamb. But a shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And we have men in our congregation uh, that are willing to shepherd our congregation and our parking lot, our whole campus, to make certain adventure is a safe place to be at all the time. And I want to honor them. They've been working on this for a couple of years. I want to ask our shepherds just to stand. You'll see them in these shirts. Stand where you're at. Yep. Yep. You can see how in the back. And an alarming incident. I won't be wearing this shirt. Don't listen to me. Listen to them. <laughs> okay, but I'm super... Pr- this is, these are just some of the little things that people are doing to serve in our church that you would never know about. And it takes, they need about 20 people on their team, really, to service uh, five Sundays a month, two services. So just be thinking about um, the fact that, hey, maybe God's calling me to serve in a unique way, um, because he is, I can tell you that. He, he calls you to serve. He himself said, the Son of Man didn't come to be served, but to serve and offer his life as a ransom for many. So volleyball rules have changed. It used to be that if you're not serving, you don't get the point. I think that, but that principle is actually true about being a Christian. If you're not serving, you don't get the point. We're servants. We're all table waiters. Tip well. Here we go. Finally, how did this church develop fortitude? They prioritized relationships. He has told us you always have pleasant memories of us and that you long to see us just as we also long to see you. They prioritized relationships, they were ready for opposition. They grounded themselves in biblical teaching. Here's the outcome. Their love was unmistakable in a time of great division. Prioritize relationships. How do you do this? Here's how you prioritize relationships. You take a couple of things off your schedule to be with the family God's given you. And I think the hardest things to take off of our table, um, maybe I'm speaking personally, is like my hobbies. Do less hobby for a night this month. Or don't work out. Or maybe work out late so you can be with a friend, right? Or don't watch episode seven of what just came out. Ooh, that was sensitive, wasn't it? Yeah, it's, it's, it's actually a little less of my comfort for someone else's comfort. It's canceling something I want for someone else. It's hard because we're all busy, right? <laughs> ah, what do you do? Sometimes you got to cancel something that you do to replenish yourself for a moment, for a season. And then you get a chance to give. Take something off your schedule. Here's a final thought. This church inspired Paul's prayer. 
What if your life was inspiring someone's prayer? They see change in your life. They see transformation. They're celebrating it, and they keep praying for you. Do you see someone really inspiringly transforming before you? Someone really following Jesus? Let me back up. Inspiringly is not a word. Do you see someone inspiring your faith? Let them know. Pray for them. Pray that God will protect them from the tempter. How do we develop the metal, the endurance, and the fortitude to stand? How do we do it? First, we receive who or what the Holy Spirit is sending us to strengthen us. Receive it. And sometimes you might say, you know what, I, uh, I can't receive someone because no one's encouraging me. No one's encouraging me. I think you need to open up a little bit. Not everyone is discouraging. The other day I was running, and I, a dog came up out of nowhere. I didn't even see it. It was right next to me. And it was one of those dogs that typically you think is going to, you know, eat you. And he was right next to me, and I was like, I looked down, I was like, and he was so sweet. Oh, he was so nice. And it reminded me, not everyone is carnivorous. Some people are nice. So don't generalize. Trust people. Let a couple people into your life. Okay? Secondly, build a family into your life so that when the storm comes, people are already there to show up and hold you up. And what I've told you is that you, what you might be saying is, I don't have time for this. Or I don't like people. That happens. I'm not good with people. So I encourage you to see, firstly, how much God loves you. Because once you know how much he loves you, you'll start to like the other people he's created. Thirdly, take a couple of things off your schedule to be with the family God's given you. So I just have a question. Is your busyness about serving God and your family and friends, or is it about making you feel good about your own insecurities or your own fears? Make certain that what we do, our service, is really for God and for others, and that our busyness is not just an excuse to avoid thinking or talking about things that we're really struggling with. And when you do this, you'll develop metal. You'll be tough. 